Hey, baseball fans. I'm Matt Russell, and this is Three Strikes, You're Out, the baseball history podcast. This week, I'll be talking about one of my favorite pitchers of all time, the great A's and Yankees pitcher, Catfish Hunter. So let's get to it. Batter up! James Augustus Hunter was a pitcher for the Kansas City Athletics, Oakland Athletics, and New York Yankees, pitching for 15 seasons from 1965 to 1979. Hunter, nicknamed Catfish by A's owner Charles O. Finley, was the first pitcher since 1915 to win 200 career games by the age of 31. He was a member of five World Series championship teams, and he is considered baseball's first big-money free agent. Among his many accomplishments, he pitched a perfect game on May 8, 1968 against the Minnesota Twins. He is the youngest man to have ever pitched a perfect game. As an aside, there have been only 21 pitched in the modern era, from 1900 on, and no pitcher has ever pitched more than one. He made the American League All-Star team eight times. He won the American League Cy Young Award in 1974. And he pitched on five World Series championship teams, including three with the Oakland A's and two with the New York Yankees. And on a personal note, as a lifelong Oakland A's fan, watching him help pitch the A's to three consecutive World Series championships from 1972 through 1974, he is the definition of a winner. Jim Hunter was born on August 8, 1946, in Hertford, North Carolina, a small farming town with a population of about 2,000. He was the youngest of eight children, five boys and three girls. Living in a four-bedroom wood frame house on 30 acres, just a couple of miles from town. His father, Abbott, was a farmer, and his mother, Millie, was a homemaker. Together, they worked hard to instill a strong work ethic and sense of discipline in their children. Jim's dad loved the outdoors and taught all of his children to hunt and fish at a young age. Jim took to this readily and became an avid outdoorsman for the rest of his life. Hunter learned the game of baseball as a boy by playing with his brothers. When they were not in school performing chores around the house or working in the fields with their dad, they enjoyed playing baseball. Sometimes they would take the family's 1959 Ford into Baltimore so Jim could see his favorite pitcher, Robin Roberts. But more often, it usually meant hours of playing games in the backyard. As Hunter recalled in his 1988 autobiography, quote, The lessons learned in those backyard games stayed with me the rest of my career. The biggest one? If you don't throw strikes to your brothers, you don't play. It was that simple, unquote. As they got older, the Hunter boys organized neighborhood teams made up of Jim and three of his older brothers, Marvin, Ray, and Pete, as well as boys from the surrounding area. Jim's brother Edward played catcher in local semi-pro leagues. By the time he reached his teens, Jim had developed a reputation as a good all-around ball player, both on the mound and at the plate. According to childhood friend and high school teammate Francis Combs, quote, Jimmy matured early. I think it was all the playing he did with his brothers, all the hard work on the farm. He just worked harder than anyone else coming up. Mechanically, he threw hard always with pretty good control, and he had a good curveball. I remember how intimidated, how scared some of those hitters were. You could actually see kids' knees shaken when they batted against him, unquote. 
Jim entered Perkimans County High School in 1960 and excelled in football, track, and baseball. He posted an 8-5 record on the mound his sophomore year and followed that up with 13 wins against only one loss to lead his team to the state class AA title his junior season. In one 12-inning game, he struck out 29 batters. He went on to throw two no-hitters and American Legion ball that year, which attracted the attention of a number of major league scouts. One scout in particular took a liking to Jim and made himself a regular visitor to the Hunter home. Clyde Klutz was born in Rockwell, North Carolina, and owned a farm in nearby Salisbury. He scouted for the Kansas City Athletics. He caught over 500 games in the big leagues for five different teams throughout the 1940s and early 50s. With over 25 years of baseball experience under his belt, Klutz liked what he saw from Jim on the mound. Jim's senior year began well. He made All-State in football, and his team won a 33-0 victory in the Class AA state title game. He was also the 440-yard dash state champion in track and field. But on Thanksgiving Day in 1963, an accident occurred that threatened Jim's athletic career. During a hunting trip, his brother Pete's shotgun accidentally discharged, hitting Jim's right foot and causing significant injury. He lost his small toe and suffered numerous broken bones as dozens of pellets lodged in his foot. Recalling the incident in 1974, Hunter joked, My brother still doesn't know what happened, but his shotgun went off accidentally and got me in the foot. Then he went and had the nerve to faint on me. I had to slap his face to wake him up. At the hospital, doctors were able to remove six of the 45 or so pellets they found in Jim's right foot. He had no feeling in his fourth toe, and over the next few months had multiple visits to the doctor to have more pellets removed. He recovered in time for the start of the baseball season, but Jim worried that news of the injury might cause many of the scouts to lose interest in him. Clyde Klutz was not part of that group. When he heard about the accident, he immediately went to visit Jim and became an even more frequent guest at the Hunter home than he had been in the previous season. But even though 30 pellets still remained lodged in Jim's right foot, the injury did not seem to bother his pitching. The team began the season by shutting out its first eight opponents, including a 5-0 perfect game by Jim against rival Elizabeth City on April 15, 1964. It was his second no-hit performance in a row. By season's end, he had compiled an impressive 13-1 record with five no-hitters. In his final two seasons at Perkimans County High School, Jim's record was 26-2. Any doubts scouts had about the injured foot seemed a thing of the past, as they were once again taking notice. But of all the scouts that were interested in Jim, Clyde Klutz was the mainstay. He believed in Jim before the injury and never doubted him after his accident. Klutz convinced of Hunter's ability, recommended signing him to Athletics owner Charlie Finley. Finley arrived in Hertford in June, watched Jim pitch in the state championship game, and then offered him a $75,000 bonus to sign with Kansas City. In true Charles O. Finley hardball style, he made this statement to Jim, quote, Take it now, it being the $75,000, because if I leave, the money goes with me, unquote. A few days later, Jim agreed to become a member of the Athletics. On a telephone call around the time of Hunter's signing, Finley asked Jim if he had a nickname. Hunter related the following story. Quote, He told me, A player's got to have a nickname. 
and he asked me what I liked to do. Hunting and fishing, I said, and he said, let's call you Catfish. The story is, when you were six years old, you ran away from home to fish, and by the time your parents got to you, you'd caught two catfish and were just about to bring in a third. Got that? Now, you repeat it to me, unquote. And so, the great catfish nickname was born. Catfish Hunter soon had more surgery at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, to remove the remaining pellets and bone fragments from his right foot. He then participated in fall instructional ball in Bradenton, Florida, and on May 13, 1965, without having played in any minor league games, he made his major league debut with two scoreless innings of relief work against the White Sox. His first start came against the Tigers in Detroit and resulted in four earned runs in just two innings of work. He finally earned his first big league victory in his sixth start on July 27th at Boston. He yielded five earned runs in five innings as the Athletics scraped out a 10-8 victory. Hunter finished the 1965 season with a record of 8-8, a 4.26 ERA, and 82 strikeouts in 133 innings pitched. But despite these mediocre numbers, Hunter impressed his team with his competitiveness and maturity. A's pitching coach Ed Lopat told the Sporting News, quote, The thing that impresses me about Hunter is the way he reacts after someone has hit a home run against him. Hunter doesn't scare. He keeps on throwing strikes, unquote. Hunter's development into the Hall of Fame caliber pitcher he would become would take several seasons, but the faith shown him by the likes of Clyde Klutz, Charlie Finley, and the A's organization would be generously rewarded. Over the next several seasons, Hunter continued to improve. He did not possess an overpowering fastball, but he had pinpoint control and a willingness to challenge hitters with pitches in the strike zone. In 1967, he reached double digits in wins for the first time, with 13, while striking out 196 batters, which was the highest single-season total he achieved in his career. The following season, 1968, the A's moved from Kansas City to Oakland. On Wednesday, May 8th, against the Minnesota Twins in his new home ballpark, the Oakland Coliseum, Hunter pitched the ninth perfect game in baseball history. And at 22 years and 30 days old, Hunter was the youngest pitcher to throw a perfect game in the modern era. The game was scoreless until the bottom of the seventh inning. He ended up striking out 11 batters in this 4-0 win, and helped himself at the plate by driving in three runs with three hits, including a squeeze bunt in the seventh inning, and a bases-loaded single in the eighth. This was easily the best offensive performance ever by a perfect game pitcher. One of his teammates, Jack Aker, told the Oakland Tribune, quote, There was just one thing he did wrong. He flied to center field once, unquote. And remember, he did this against the powerhouse Minnesota Twins. So, he blanked the likes of Rod Carew, Harmon Killebrew, Tony Oliva, and Cesar Tovar. What an amazing night that was. Catfish steadily improved in the next couple of seasons, with 12 wins in 1969 and 18 wins in 1970. But in 1971, Catfish had his breakout season and truly became the ace of the Oakland A's staff. He won a personal best 21 games as Oakland won 101 games and the American League West title. Unfortunately, they were swept in three games in the league championship series by the Baltimore Orioles, who went on to win the World Series.
I remember this Orioles team and loved watching them. They were fantastic and one of the best Orioles teams ever. Who could forget a team that consisted of Brooks Robinson, the human vacuum cleaner, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Paul Blair, Don Buford, and Mark Belanger, and a starting pitching staff that had four, count them, 20-game winners. Can you name them? I'll give you a couple of seconds. They were Mike Cuellar, Jim Palmer, Dave McNally, and Pat Dobson. How many did you get right? Hunter took the loss in Game 2 of this ALCS 5-1. Of his performance, he quipped, quote, And I only made four mistakes. Naturally, all four ended up in the seats. Two home runs by Boog Powell, one each by Brooks Robinson and Elrod Hendricks, unquote. This was the first Athletics appearance in the postseason since 1931, and many thought the A's would be back to compete for the pennant again in 1972. Boy, were they right. Hunter entered the 1972 season as the ace of the Oakland staff and one of the unquestioned leaders on a team full of big characters and even bigger egos. The amazing A's were coming into their own with their mustaches, long sideburns, and fighting ways. And Catfish's winning attitude and all-out effort earned respect from his teammates, who were always confident when Catfish was on the mound. He equaled his previous season's victory total with 21 to go along with a 2.04 ERA, third best in the league. The club won 93 games to finish five and a half games ahead of the Chicago White Sox. Oakland won three games to two over the Detroit Tigers in a hotly contested ALCS in which three of the five games were decided by a single run and two went into extra innings. Hunter failed to earn a decision in either his Game 1 or Game 4 start but he pitched well, allowing just two runs in 15 and one-third innings. Oakland won the first game in 11 innings, 3-2, and lost game four in 10 innings by the same score. The 1972 World Series pitted the A's against the National League's Cincinnati Reds, the vaunted Big Red Machine. This World Series is etched in my memory. I remember no one giving the A's a chance against the Reds. The Reds had a powerful lineup with the likes of Johnny Bench, George Foster, Joe Morgan, and Tony Perez in the batting lineup. Man, I so wanted the A's to win. The A's took Game 1, 3-2. Catfish got the start in Game 2 and delivered 8 and 2 thirds innings, allowing just one run while notching 6 strikeouts. Reliever Raleigh Fingers was called upon to record the final out to give Oakland a 2-game lead over Cincinnati. The Reds narrowly took Game 3 1-0, but Oakland rebounded the next day to win 3-0. Up three games to one, the A's looked to Hunter to close out the series in Game 5. It was apparent early in the game that Hunter did not have his best stuff. Recalling Game 5 in his autobiography, he said, quote, It was all up to me now. Game 5. It wasn't to be. Pete Rose, just 1-15 for 15 up to that point, hit my first pitch of the game over the 375-foot sign in right, unquote. Cincinnati won the game 5-4. The Reds took Game 6 as well in an 8-1 blowout to set up a decisive Game 7 showdown. In that game, Hunter was brought in to relieve starter Blue Moon Odom with one out in the fifth inning. He yielded just one run in two and two-thirds innings while striking out three. 
Hunter was credited with the win, while Raleigh Fingers earned his second save to give the Athletics franchise its first World Series title since 1930. Yahoo! I still get pumped up thinking about it. Hunter finished fourth in the American League Cy Young voting and received enough consideration from voters to place 11th in the Most Valuable Player balloting. He was now a two-time 20-game winner and a World Series champion. Oakland repeated as World Series champions in 1973, defeating the New York Mets in seven games. Hunter's season record was remarkably similar to the numbers he posted the previous year. He again managed 21 victories while earning a spot on his fifth All-Star team. He was masterful in the postseason, winning two games against the Orioles in the ALCS and outdueling the great Mets ace Tom Seaver 3-1 in Game 6 of the World Series to avoid elimination and force a Game 7. In February of 1974, Hunter signed a new two-year contract with Oakland that called for him to receive $100,000 per season. A stipulation in the agreement called for half of each season's salary to be deferred into insurance annuities. By most accounts, A's owner Charlie Finley agreed to the arrangement, and Hunter began to make preparations for the 1974 season. Oakland finished the 1974 season five games ahead of the Texas Rangers in the American League West, and dispatched the Baltimore Orioles three games to one in the ALCS to secure its third straight American League pennant. Catfish turned in what was perhaps his finest season on the mound, with a league-leading 25 wins, a 2.49 ERA, and a league-best .986 whip. That's walks and hits per inning pitched. This was his fourth year in a row winning at least 20 games. In the World Series, the A's faced the Los Angeles Dodgers, who had won 102 games during the regular season, the most in baseball. Oakland did not require any extra motivation for the series, but the Dodgers provided it anyway. According to Hunter, quote, Dodger first baseman Billy Buckner helped matters along by suggesting to all the world that only a few of our guys could make their precious little Dodger roster. Right. We didn't say so at the time, preferring to keep our words to ourselves, but Buckner made a big mistake by telling us we couldn't play, unquote. The A's took the series in five games with Catfish earning a save in Game 1 and a win in Game 3, in which he allowed only one run in seven and one-third innings. Afterward, Buckner remarked, quote, I thought I should have hit the ball hard every time, unquote. The A's were World Series champions for the third straight season. For his efforts, Hunter won the American League Cy Young Award and finished sixth in the MVP vote. He also received the Sporting News Pitcher of the Year Award. The irrepressible Reggie Jackson said that if it were up to him, he, quote, would give Cat the Cy Young Award, the Most Valuable Player Award, the Academy Award, and the Kitchen Sink, unquote. That was Reggie for you. As a huge Oakland A's fan, exulting in three World Series victories in a row, I always felt that Catfish was the heart of the A's pitching lineup. With him on the team, you had a quiet leader who knew how to win and instilled that feeling in his teammates. And when he was pitching and on, you knew the game was won. He was that good. His command of his pitches was amazing. It seemed like they were all in the black, just nibbling at the corners. It seemed like he never gave the batter anything good to drive. He was just a dominating pitcher during these years. 
but without devastating stuff. It was his control that was devastating, and his will to win. After the 1974 season, A's owner Charlie Finley refused to make payment on Hunter's annuity after discovering he had to pay $25,000 in taxes, which was due immediately. A breach of contract dispute was brought before an arbitration hearing on November 26, 1974. Twenty days later, on December 16th, arbitrator Peter Seitz decided in favor of Hunter, officially making him a free agent. Hunter recalled being scared after he was declared a free agent. Quote, we don't belong to anybody, unquote, he told his wife. Hunter could now sign with any team willing to have him. As it turned out, Almost every club in the big leagues wanted him for their pitching staff. Two weeks after he won his arbitration, Hunter became the highest paid player in baseball when he signed a five-year contract with the New York Yankees worth $3.35 million with a $1 million signing bonus. He had been courted by 23 of the 24 teams, including the A's, with the lone holdout team being the San Francisco Giants. What were they thinking? He refused higher offers from the San Diego Padres and the Kansas City Royals. He preferred the Yankees because New York was closer to his home in North Carolina and the team played on natural grass. They also now had Clyde Klutz, the former Oakland scout who had convinced Finley to sign Jim in 1964. About Klutz, Hunter said, quote, I don't think I would have signed with the Yankees if anybody but Clyde had contacted me for them. Clyde never lied to me about anything, and I knew he wouldn't now, unquote. The loss was devastating to the A's, many of whom wished the best for their former ace, while also realizing what his absence would mean for the ball club. Catcher Gene Tennis expressed a common sentiment, saying, quote, I'm tickled to death for him. It couldn't happen to a better guy. I'm glad he was able to get all he could, but his loss will definitely hurt our club, unquote. Finley continued to insist that Hunter was a member of the Oakland club, contractually speaking, and filed a lawsuit to have the arbitrator's decision overturned, which he lost. His relationship with his former Cy Young Award winner was irreparably damaged. The resentment Hunter held toward Finley was the result of a long list of questionable decisions and minor injustices the A's owner had committed over Hunter's 10 years in Oakland. But Catfish was now a Yankee and a big-money ball player. He made his debut with the Yankees on April 11, 1975 against the Detroit Tigers and promptly lost, allowing five earned runs over nine innings. And he proceeded to lose his next two decisions as well before finally beating the Milwaukee Brewers on April 27th. But after this short dry spell, Jim warmed up to his new team and park and started winning. By the end of the season, he had compiled 23 wins and a 2.58 ERA in 328 innings pitched. Hunter also became only the fourth and last American League pitcher to win 20 games in a season for five consecutive seasons, from 1971 through 1975. The others were Walter Johnson, who did it 10 times, Lefty Grove, who did it 7 times, and Bob Feller, 5 times. Fine company to be in. He also made his seventh All-Star team and finished second to Baltimore's Jim Palmer in the Cy Young voting. He had risen to the occasion and met the pressure of his new contract head-on, turning in one of his finest seasons in the big leagues. But the Yankees as a team won fewer games than they had in the previous season and did not make the playoffs. But in 1976, the Yankees returned to the postseason after an 11-year absence. 
Although he had started having arm problems, Hunter won 17 games in the regular season and beat the Kansas City Royals in Game 1 of the ALCS, going the distance and allowing a single earned run. In the World Series, the Yankees were swept by Cincinnati's Big Red Machine. Hunter took the loss in Game 2, allowing 10 hits and walking an uncharacteristically high four batters. During the regular season, he pitched 298 and two-thirds innings, a total he would not come close to approaching in any of the three years remaining on his contract. But in the following two seasons, 1977 and 1978, the Yankees broke through and won two straight World Series titles. Although Hunter appeared in only 43 games over the course of the two seasons, with an overall record of 21-15, and 15, he got a great deal of credit from his teammates and from the owner, George Steinbrenner, for teaching the Yankees how to win. But during these two seasons, he suffered from arm fatigue and was eventually diagnosed with diabetes in February of 1978. He lost his only postseason start in 1977, allowing three home runs in two and one-third innings in Game 2 of the World Series. In 1978, he posted a respectable 12-6 and record and pitched especially well in the thick of the pennant race in August, winning six games to go with a 1.64 ERA in the month. In the final postseason appearance of his career, he beat the Dodgers in Game 6 of the World Series to give the Yankees their second straight title. The 1979 season was a devastating year for Hunter personally. It was also his final season in the big leagues. On May 12th, Clyde Klutz, the man Jim most admired in baseball, died from a blood clot. On July 26th, Hunter was getting ready to pitch when manager Billy Martin called him into his office to inform him that his father, Abbott, had died after a long battle with cancer. The final blow came on August 2nd when Yankee catcher Thurman Munson, Hunter's closest friend on the team and an avid pilot, was killed in a plane crash while practicing landings at an airport. Acknowledging the toll the losses took on him, Hunter said, quote, Dealing with three deaths in a span of three months was beyond belief. You try not to let it affect you. You know you've got a job to do, a game to play, but Lord, it's a lot to ask of a man, unquote. On the field, Hunter turned in his worst season in the big leagues. He finished the season with a 2-9 and nine mark and an ERA of over 5. The Yankees finished in 4th place. Catfish had made it clear before the 1979 season that it would be his final one in a major league uniform. After the season, in an interview that appeared in the Sporting News in October 1979, he said, quote, When I signed my contract with the Yankees, I told them I would play these five years and call it a career no matter what happened. Fifteen years is enough, unquote. His primary motivation for doing so was to spend more time with his family and more time outdoors, hunting and fishing. George Steinbrenner declared Sunday, September 16, 1979, Catfish Hunter Day at Yankee Stadium. Hunter's number 29 was retired by the club, and teammates and fans had an opportunity to celebrate his career accomplishments. In his speech to the crowd, Hunter spoke of wishing his father, his friend Clyde Klutz, and his teammate Thurman Munson could have been there to celebrate. He was leaving the game with a heavy heart, but he was just 33 years old, financially secure, and had a loving family who looked forward to having him around the house full-time. And for a while, Hunter led an almost idyllic life on his farm in North Carolina. He and his wife Helen had their third child in October 1979. 
Hunter spent plenty of time hunting and fishing, and he coached his son Todd's Little League team. In 1987, Hunter was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He won 224 games, had five straight seasons with 20 or more wins, and collected five World Series rings. In his induction speech, he thanked Charlie Finley and George Steinbrenner for giving him the opportunity to play. He spoke about the guidance Clyde Klutz provided to him over the course of his career and called his election to the Hall, quote, the greatest honor that any guy could ever receive. Unquote. But sadly, in September 1998, after having difficulty lifting his arms to fire his hunting rifle, he visited a hospital in Baltimore where he was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. His last public appearance was in Tampa, Florida at the Yankees' first spring training game in March 1999. He died at his home in Hertford on September 9th, 1999 at the very young age of 53. He was buried in Cedarwood Cemetery in Hertford, just behind the field where he had starred as a high school pitcher. In a tribute to the type of competitor Catfish Hunter was on the field and the type of man Jim Hunter was off the field, George Steinbrenner remarked, quote, Catfish Hunter was the cornerstone of the Yankee success over the last quarter century. We were not winning before Catfish arrived. He exemplified class and dignity, and he taught us how to win, unquote. Jim Hunter was survived by his wife, Helen, their three children, and one grandchild. I have to say, as a longtime fan of Catfish Hunter, I was shocked to learn about his death. I had been away from following the game for years, and I somehow missed this news at the time. So this hit me pretty hard. This is truly a sad ending to a great big league career in life. But Catfish, by all accounts, faced it with quiet bravery with his family at his side. He had a great life and was a true winner. I'll always look back fondly at those great seasons with the A's, with him painting the corners for strikes, leading them to World Series victory. Godspeed, Catfish. Next time, Three Strikes You're Out will feature one of my favorite Red Sox players of all time, Carl Yastrzemski, the great Yaz. I can't wait for this one. See you in the bleachers. Special mentions go out to the following. I would like to thank YouTuber Mr. Runner Holly, look him up, for his permission to use his cover of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Awesome, man. I love it. Also, I have to mention the great internet baseball history resource, saber.org. That's S-A-B-R dot O-R-G. Or Society for American Baseball Research. I use this extensively for my shows and really love their well-written and researched articles. I recommend you take a look. You won't be sorry. For show notes and a list of sources I used for the show, or to make a comment, please visit my website, threestrikesyearout.com. That's threestrikesyearout.com. Also, if you get a chance, please review the podcast in the iTunes Store app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Just look up the podcast name, click on Ratings and Reviews, then click on Write a Review. Any feedback would really help. Thanks.